Welcome to a podcast from Food and Drink Federation Scotland. FDF Scotland is the membership body for Scotland's food and drink manufacturers. We represent and support our members on the issues that are important to them. I am Joanne Burns, Reformulation for Health Manager at FDF Scotland. This podcast is the next in the reformulation series, supporting the food and drink industry to make their products healthier. Today, we will be focusing on fibre. We will be discussing the importance of fibre within the diet, the current intake targets, as well as looking at how food producers can increase fibre content and support consumers to meet the recommended intake targets. I'm delighted today to be joined by Jisun Lee, Head of Innovation at Edme Food Ingredients. Welcome, Jisun. Hello. We're also joined by Amy Glass, UK Diet and Health Policy Manager at Food and Drink Federation. Hi, everyone. And Harriet Teeth, Reformulation Executive at FDF Scotland. Hi there. Now, fibre is often the forgotten component of our diet. There are dietary targets for consumers to try and meet, but currently no specific targets for the food industry to increase the levels of fibre within their products. Hopefully today's podcast will help you start to develop ideas on how to improve the levels of fibre within your recipes and learn about how the application of functional fibres can not only increase fibre content, but actually help to reduce levels of fat, sugar and calories within your recipes, helping you to achieve UK nutritional targets on sugar and calorie reduction. So firstly, I think it's important for us to explain exactly what fibre is. In the past, we may have heard it described simply as roughage in our diet, but now we're much more aware of the important function and protection that fibre can offer us. So Amy, do you mind um, explaining for us exactly what fibre is? Sure, and thanks for inviting me to join the podcast, Joanne. Um, so fibres are basically carbohydrates that aren't digested or absorbed in the small intestine. So instead they uh, travel down and reach the large intestine or the colon, where they may be broken down by bacteria or fermented or excreted. Um, and there's obviously lots of different types of fibres as well. So fibre includes carbohydrates called polysaccharides and resistant oligosaccharides and these can be categorized into their physical characteristics. Um, so some of the sort of common terms that people might have heard before um, are things like soluble fiber, insoluble fiber, resistant starch and prebiotics um, and so these are all the different sort of types of fibers um, that you might have within your diet. And uh, in the UK, um, adults are recommended to eat 30 grams of fibre a day, um, but on average, we're only eating around 19.7 grams per day. Thank you very much, Amy. And in terms of actual sources of fibre, what, what are the main sources of fibre that we're consuming within the UK diet? So the main sources um, that contribute to fibre intakes are things like cereal products, like bread, pasta, rice, breakfast cereals and biscuits fruits and vegetables and potatoes. So those are kind of the most common sources that people probably have in their day-to-day -day diet. Some of the things that people can look out for to see what is a source of fibre um, is this is sometimes claimed on packaging. So uh, manufacturers can voluntarily claim foods as a source of fibre if it contains at least three grams of fibre per 100 grams or high in fibre if it contains at least six grams of fibre per 100 grams. Um, and in that instance, um, if there's a claim on pack, it could it would also be uh, detailed on the nutrition information on pack as well. So that can be a can be a helpful way for customers to kind of look out for sources of fibre. 
Fantastic, Amy. Thank you. And that's also a really good target for food manufacturers to want to work towards, to be able to have that claim on their packaging as well. So thank you for, for highlighting that. Now, as you mentioned, Amy, there's really no one singular type of fibre and not all fibres are equal. So Harriet, do you mind briefly explaining a little bit more about the types of fibres and their functions? Yeah, so I don't think this point is really appreciated as well as it could be. As Amy says, fibre is basically the, the structural portion of plants made up of carbohydrates. And diff, just as you get different types of structural materials to build a house, for example, you also get different types of fibre in food. So the fibres are in chain formation, made up of different types of sugars in different layouts and different chain lengths. Because of this variety in the chain structure and the type of sugar within the chain, there's a lot of variation in the characteristics of fibre how they act as an ingredient and how they act in the body. As Amy says, fibres are classified by their characteristics. So you get insoluble, soluble fibres describing how they react with water. And there are many further classifications beyond these. So for consumers, this highlights the importance of eating a variety of fibre sources to make sure you're giving your digestive system and your gut bacteria all the different types of fibre that they need to keep you well. And for the food industry, it means that there's likely to be a type of fibre that can be used itself or in a blend with other fibres that's going to have really useful functionality thanks to all these different characteristics. Thank you, Harriet. One of the main reasons that we're hosting this podcast focusing on fibre is to highlight the gap between what we're currently consuming and what we should be consuming when it comes to our dietary fibre intake. In 2015, SACIN, or the Scientific Advisory Council on Nutrition, increase the recommended intake of AOAC fibre to 30 grams a day. And as Amy mentioned earlier, we are not consuming enough. From the most recent National Diet and Nutrition Survey, we're only consuming two thirds of what we should do. And that's quite a stark difference. We've got just over 10 grams of fibre that's missing from our diet. Now, Justin, do you mind if I ask you, why do you think it is that we have this gap in our diet of fibre? Um, the majority of consumers understand the importance of fibre in their diet. However, most struggle to reach the recommended daily intake for various reasons, um, including taste. Um, it's an important barrier to uptake of high fibre products. In additions, um, soluble fibre can increase the coarseness of foods and drinks, producing a gritty or dry sensation on consumption. While there are soluble fibre that claims to be very neutral in taste, they can sometimes create a slimy texture in the mouth. Manufacturers need to be mindful that most consumers are not willing to accept the health benefit of high fibre at the expense of sensor characteristics. Masking flavour-forward fibres is crucial to achieving high fibre levels without impacting the sensory profile of a product. Blending dedicating fibre ingredients which with whole foods with high fibre can help create more balanced, rounded products. People may do not want to spend time preparing healthier food or do not know how to do so, or in a way that has an appealing taste, meaning they may eat more ready meals or go out to eat more. Fantastic. Thank you, Justin. You brought up some really important issues there around sensory characteristics of increasing fibre. Can I ask um, Amy and Harriet, did you have any additional things that you want to raise about why you think people aren't consuming that gap of 10.3 grams of fibre? Yes, probably one of these things that comes from a number of, of factors. Um, so, I mean, pre-pandemic, life used to be very much on the go. So a typical diet might include lots of packaged 
travel friendly meals or snacks and convenience meals. We do eat a lot of processed foods in this country and lots of the recent coverage on processed foods comments on texture that they're soft, easy to eat quickly with low levels of bite or chew. High fibre foods tend to have a bit more bite to it. Um, this owes to the satiety that it get, gives us, making us feel full. I know processed foods receive a lot of bad press, but remember that processed foods are actually the main vehicle of nutrition for many people. Not everyone has the luxury of access to a choice of shops to source fresh ingredients and then the know-how and skills to turn them into healthy meals. So any comment on the impact of processed foods having on our diet should be taken as another reason to be investing in reformulation. Thank you, Harriet. And Amy, do you have anything you want to add about why you think people aren't consuming um, the 30 grams of recommended fibre per day? Yeah, I think, you know, in practice, it's really hard to achieve the 30 gram fibre intake that we're recommended to have. Um, the British Nutrition Foundation actually created a seven day meal plan to show how it would be achieved. And to actually meet the recommendation, the plan had to include eight portions of fruit and veg every day, a variety of different high fibre snacks, and all meals were based on starchy foods, which were pro predominantly including whole grains. Um, and I think most people would say that is a far stretch away from what they're currently eating at the moment. I mean, people are struggling to achieve the five a day fruit and veg recommendation as it is, let alone kind of increasing that to eight portions. So I think in, in reality, to achieve the 30 grams a day recommendation, people are going to need to make very big changes to their diets. Um, but this does also highlight a really important opportunity for food and drink manufacturers to help make it easier for consumers to meet that target. Absolutely, Amy. And I think you've really raised some important issues there about how it's just really critical that we have a kind of holistic approach, including product reformulation, education, as well as public health promotions to really help people understand what that 30 grams is, how they should be working towards meeting that. Again, some of the things you were raising there around the kind of eight portions of fruit and veg, there's obviously quite a, a high cost implication to that as well. And um, a lot of consumers might feel that they're just not able to afford some of these products or maybe they might have issues around how to cook them or they maybe think some higher fibre options might take longer to cook and things like that. So there really is a lot of issues that we need to overcome to help the public increase that um, their levels of fibre. Amy, could you mind just touching briefly for us on why it's important for us to consume 30 grams of fibre a day? We've spoken about what fibre is sources of it but but why should people be consuming 30 grams of fibre a day? Sure I mean so a diet high in fibre brings lots of different health benefits it improves our digestive health um, and it reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease type 2 diabetes and colorectal cancer so there's a, a whole variety of different kind of health benefits um, that this brings and I think it's kind of that health messaging has been lost. We haven't really been hearing too much about it. There's been a lot of focus from the government and within sort of public health campaigns on reducing sugar, reducing calories um, and reducing salt. But there, there isn't really much focus on what uh, overall balanced diet looks like and helping people to increase fibre is definitely a kind of lacking area. Um, at the moment. Um, we actually at FDF did some polling recently with census-wide um, to understand what people think about fibre and we found that most people, it was 60%, um, recognised that a high fibre diet 
brings benefits to digestive health, but only 25% knew it helped to reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes. And 13% of people couldn't identify any benefits of a diet high in fibre. So there's definitely a big gap there in terms of educating people about the benefits. Yeah, absolutely. That certainly puts things into focus in terms of public health education, doesn't it? Amy, do you think people understand what 30 grams of fibre actually equates to? Um, To be honest, no, I don't think they do. Um, I mean, from our polling, only one in three people know what the recommended daily amount of fibre for adults is. And 70% of people weren't sure whether they meet that recommendation. So there's a lot of uncertainty there about how much we should actually be eating in the first place. Um, And we also found that most people were aware of common sources of fibre, like wholemeal bread, uh, baked beans and jacket potatoes. But 9% of people couldn't identify any sources of fibre at all. So I think, you know, people need help to understand what the dietary recommendation means in practice, tips on how to get there and what that actually looks like in terms of different sources and where you can get that from. Okay, Amy, small changes to our diet can make a big difference. So what small steps do you think consumers can take to increase the levels of fibre within their diet? I think people need to have a clearer understanding of what their fibre intakes are now, what the foods are that they can eat to help increase um, their intakes to reach that target. Um, And also to sort of help, I think food and drink manufacturers can help signpost them in the supermarket to higher fibre options. Um, And we know that people are really interested in seeing more higher fibre products um, in the supermarket to help them with that. Okay, so listening to some of the added food intake that's required to meet that additional 10 grams of fibre, it's quite concerning as obviously we need to make sure we're balancing the increase of fibre without increasing calorie intake too much. So this is really where the importance of product reformulation it's critical to increase the fibre contents of products that people are already consuming rather than additional products. So, Amy, um, I understand that Food and Drink Federation have developed a fibre pledge for member companies. Do you mind briefly explaining the aims of the pledge to us? Yeah, it's um, a really exciting new initiative that we're launching this week, actually. Um, and the new initiative is called Action on Fibre. Um, and we've launched this um, a bit in collaboration with our members to help bridge the gap between current fibre intakes and the dietary recommendation. Um, and the whole idea of this is that participating members will make um, their own business pledges and commitments to help make higher fibre diets more appealing, normal and easy to achieve. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to see the action companies are going to take over the next year to help bridge this gap. Um, There's lots of exciting um, different activities that companies are going to be doing from launching new products higher in fibre, reformulating uh, current favourite products that they have already in their portfolios, increasing uh, communication to consumers through labelling or marketing in the supermarket, and um, also things like supporting annual awareness campaigns as well. So there's a whole variety of different pledges that companies have made. So we're really looking forward to seeing all this activity happen across the next year. And hopefully this will uh, make a real difference to bridging that gap in fibre intakes. Now, Harry, you've recently been working with Tower Bakery in Perth who have worked to increase the fibre content of some of their existing products. And they did receive funding through um, FDF Scotland's Reformulate Challenge Fund. 
Do you mind telling us a little bit about what they did and any business benefits that came with them um, increasing the fibre content? So this was such a great project. So with the new school directs coming into play earlier this year, many local authorities have been looking for higher fibre produce from their suppliers. Tower Bakery were contacted by their local authority for this, and they decided to develop a higher fibre white morning roll. Being a bakery, they understand the status of the morning roll, so it was really important to them that they didn't compromise on the colour and the appearance of it. They trialled lots of alternatives to the wheat flour in their development kitchen, but the blend that made the final cut was actually on advice from an external consultant who suggested a specific powdered fibre that they hadn't been able to source already. Once they had this ingredient, they were able to more than double the fibre content in the product, bringing it from 2.1 to 4.3 grams per 100 gram. So this product is now being supplied to local schools and nurseries. And really excitingly for Tower Bakery, Scotland Excel have listed them as part of their framework. So this is set to bring them more business from the product in the future. That's really fantastic to hear. And I think very, very often when people think about um, kind of sectors within the food industry that are able to increase fibre, people automatically think of the bakery sector and bakery products. Harry, have you been surprised with some of the businesses that we are engaged with that are interested in increasing fibre? Oh yeah, but this is one of the great things about reformulation is just how accessible it is to so many different food products. So we've engaged with so many different types of products and I would struggle to think of a food that you couldn't boost the health credentials of by using fibre. If we go back to the public health aspect of all of this, the fact that we've got a 10 gram gap to bridge. Yes, we want consumers to be choosing more fresh fruit and veg and cooking from scratch, but reformulation still has a role to play. So you could start your day with a fibre enriched morning roll from Tower Bakery. And right through your day, if each of your meals or snacks has been reformulated to include just a few grams more fibre here and there, then you're on a start. And Amy has highlighted just how necessary that is. Yeah. The good news is that there's already been lots of work done on ice cream. So this is a very technical product in terms of the functionality of all the ingredients. So it's amazing that this can be reformulated and is currently being reformulated so broadly. Fibre in one shape or form is used in lots of the reduced calorie ice cream products. So you can um, you can enjoy your ice cream in the knowledge that this is going to help you make your way up to the 30 grams. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, and I think even just to raise the, as, as you said, increasing fibre is really um, accessible for all sectors of the food, food industry. I mean, we've worked with everyone from butchers who have used higher fibre rusks and coatings for their meat products, to even crisp companies who are looking at maybe using pea fibres within some of their crisp products, so that even if people are having a snack product, it's still a higher fibre one. So there's, there's lots of work and lots of opportunity for the food industry to really get involved in increasing the fibre content of their products. Justin, could you maybe tell us a little bit about the importance and functionality of fibre within food manufacturing? Um, as mentioned before, health benefit is uh, one of the major importance uh, when it comes to uh, fibre in food manufacturing. And choosing foods with fibre also makes us fuller, uh, feel fuller, while 
our diet rich in fiber can help digestion and prevent constipation. In terms of functionality in manufacturing, fiber can have many important roles. For example, from a functionality perspective, fiber can play a number of roles as a bulking agent in reduced sugar applications to manage moisture in the replacement fat and to add color. Thank you very much, Justin. Do you mind telling us what types of fiber solutions you offer at Edme? Edme is a part of uh, Anglia malting family producing natural nutritious ingredients since 1970s. We specialize in whole grain, malted, sprouted, gluten-free ingredients. We offer flour that is naturally high in fiber, such as buckwheat, pea flour, and faba bean flour, and inclusions such as seeds and grains, which are naturally high in fiber, such as poppy seed, chia seeds, and quinoa. We're currently working on a bread premix, which is have added fibers, so high fiber content claims can be made. We also have the capability to manufacture bespoke bread mixes in-house. As an ingredient supplier of high fiber flours, could you please advise us on the variance of fiber content of different flours and their applications um, across the food manufacturing sector? We provide flour that is naturally high in fiber or bread premixes that contains added fiber. Added fiber can be used in various functions within bakery products. In bread, for example, as level of fiber increases, so does firmness of bread. So level can be too high or taste, texture and color can be all affected. Particle size of the fiber in the flour has important effects too. For example, small fiber, smaller fiber particle sizes of fiber have been found to have less undesirable effect on the color, texture, taste, and firmness of the bread than large particle sizes. In particular, because of greater water absorption due to greater surface area. However, this is an ongoing area of research. As I mentioned before, we provide lots of niche flour and inclusions which are high, which are naturally high in fiber, which can be used in lots of different food industry sectors. We unfortunately do not know uh, the end use of all the ingredients we supply, but seeds and grains get used as inclusions, toppers in bread and bakery products. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Justin, for explaining that. And um, just to even reinforce what you were saying, I, I had a look at some of um, your information and I was really surprised to learn about the variance in fibre content of different flours from around, I think it was 1.9% of dietary fibre for a brown rice flour, up to 33% of dietary fibre for a green pea flour and literally everything else in between. So, it's so it was so interesting to see the different ranges in dietary fibre of different um, flour products and the different flavours, whether it's nutty or sweet or more mellow and neutral flavours. So it just shows that there's a there's a solution out there for probably most products that people would need. Do you mind telling us, Justin, what kind of sectors that you're engaged with when it comes to some of your fibre solutions? Um, yes, of course. We work with bread manufacturers, um, snacking companies who seek um, high fibre and high protein claims and also breakfast cereal companies. Thank you very much. Now, we've spoken about dietary fibre, which is obviously fibres that are naturally found in food. But we also have functional fibres, which are fibres that are extracted and isolated from whole foods and then added to a processed food. Harriet, do you mind telling us a little bit about some of the kind of exciting uses of innovative functional fibres within the field of reformulation, please? Yeah, it's the fact that fibre comes in so many shapes and forms um, that makes it so versatile. 
So you've got all your different types of fiber, your short chain fibers for enriching to build on the product's health credentials, maybe take you up to a level where you can make a front of pack health claim. And then you've got the long chain fibers that can be used to replace not only bulk, but lots of the functionality that both fat and sugar um, provide in a massive variety of products. So you've got your bulk, the structure, a little bit of sweetness some fibers carry, um, and uh, they also act as a humectant as well. And as I mentioned, the fact that they are being used in ice cream, which is such a technical product, just really speaks for itself in terms of how it can be applied. It's clean label and even isolated fibres can still carry the health benefits of fibre. So even though it's been refined, its bioavailability isn't necessarily compromised. So the Reformulation for Health project works on the eight principles of reformulation. If you look at this, fibre actually holds relevance to most of these points. And it's the kind of thing that allows a manufacturer who maybe just wanted to reduce their calories to actually achieve a lot more positive nutrition changes. Fantastic, Harriet. And if somebody was to look at a label or looking to source some of these functional fibres, what would they normally be called if they were if they were considering trialling some of these? So they do come with a, uh, a broad variety of names, which can appear quite scary if you don't know what you're reading. So the names can be read in a way to describe what they're made up of. So common fibres that are used at the moment in, include um, inulin. This can also be labelled as chicory root extract, chicory root. Lots of the names of the fibres are very clean label and they kind of refer to the crop that it comes from as opposed to explaining that it's a refined product. So they're really interesting to look for on a label. And it's not the kind of product ingredient on a label that consumers might be scared of. OK, perfect. Thank you very much for explaining that. It really does sound that by trialling innovative functional fibres, food manufacturers really can achieve and realise many different reformulation goals. We're actually hosting a webinar on the 29th of September at 2pm with input from a variety of industry experts looking at the practical applications of higher fibre ingredients and functional fibres within food manufacturing. For more information on the webinar, please visit www.fdfscotland.org.uk or keep an eye out on our social media for updates. I hope that we've given you food for thought on how to increase fibre within your recipes. For businesses within Scotland who are interested in starting a reformulation project, please get in touch with the Reformulation for Health team at reformulation at fdfscotland.org.uk or visit our website. Thank you so much to Justin, Amy and Harriet for taking part. Finally, thank you for listening to this podcast from FDF Scotland. You can find out more about our work and if you're a food and drink business, how to join us at www.fdfscotland.org.uk. Thank you.